0: This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies. On Radio.com and Sports Radio 94. WIP.
1: Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack Fritz, that yo was for the Philadelphia Phillies. What? Who let him get hot. That yo was for Andrew Painter and the rest of the draft class. And that yo was for all the awesome people we met on I Hope's night. What up, buddy?
0: James. Buddy. Why not the Phils, baby? <laughs> Why not the Phils? Oh, they got a closer. They got their offense is averaging like 8.7 runs per game since the last two weeks. <laughs> like 8.7. Everything's starting to come together. Vince Velasquez is a real Philly guy. Um, listen, it's it's uh, it's a good time to be a Phils fan. I mean, we're two podcasts removed from an absolute meltdown, um, and now we're we're, we're
1: back. <laughs> I, I I'm I, I'm pretty sure our last podcast was named "Am I an idiot?" Yeah. So yeah.
0: No, yeah. It, it was. It was. And sure. Listen, maybe we're idiots, James, but I don't care. I just don't care anymore. I'm so ready to just to just. Jump in this pool like a cannonball and believe in this baseball team again. And you want to know why, James? Oh, you really? Of all
1: people, to hear those words come out of your mouth, it's, I I think the entire listening audience has just like dropped whatever they were holding, spit out whatever they were drinking. Jack Fritz is ready to buy in.
0: I know, but this is the best I have felt about them in like forever. Because you want to know why, James? You want to know why? You want to know why? You want to know why?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: Because even when they lose, it's a normal loss. It's not the most painful way possible. They just lose 8 3 and they mix it in. And it's just, it's not even like, oh, that was absolutely dreadful and a miserable experience. Like, they've lost twice in the last week. And it's like, you know what? That's a perfectly fine loss. Like, we'll take that loss. Was there a little frustration? things? Sure. But, like, even when they lose, they don't play that bad. And I just, I like the vibes from the team. You know, I like the, I've oh, I've really liked the home run hat. I like how they're, they're acting in the dugout for the first time. I felt like they are a team and I just feel like that, that, that core that it, we have talked about, you know, having to come in from the outside and have to come together and rebuild the Phillies culture. I feel like they're doing that. And it's their play Like for a lot of people, their litmus test was this weekend and they took two or three from the Red Sox in Boston they took three of four in Chicago. Those there are two tough places to play. I know the Cubs stink, but the litmus test has been passed.
1: Yeah. Um. Look, I'm, I'm, as optimistic. I'm not where you are. Ah, uh, would you I, just would
0: you stop? I
1: am as optimistic as I've ba- been about the team in a while. Like they're like you said. Uh, look, I said going into that, if they go into Boston and win two of three. Like, I, I'll take it seriously. I won't I won't just throw it to the side and say, oh, you know, like this team, they never get hot when I think they're going to, which is still true, Jack. I mean, they're still a 500 team, but, but look, they won back-to-back road series. They went in and faced a good team and beat them on the road, Jack. Like, that sentence alone is not something we've heard in a few years. And look, the Red Sox are a good team, and they also did it in a you know, obviously for fans, the, the more terrifying fashion, but they lose the first and then bounce back and win the second two. And that last one, like a gutty win, man. Like that's a gutty win with Ranger giving you seven outs and a bullpen game. When you find out that, you know, four important players, all guys who could have played and two of them who would have played in that game, couldn't play for you. Cause of the COVID stuff, you know, we'll get it at some point, I'm sure. But, hmm. but for them to come back out like that in that spot and, Find a way to win the baseball game, you know, getting big performances from big spots. You know, Ronald Torres coming in and just hitting, you know, big hits and Christopher Sanchez giving him three and and all that stuff.
0: And that's what winning ball clubs do. Exactly.
1: That's where I was going. That's where I was going. It's like, I'm not I'm not ready to anoint them yet, but they're starting to look like a team that's kind of pulling it together and playing a brand at least of winning baseball, Jack.
0: And that's all we asked for him. you know that's all we asked for them. but and, yeah, you
1: competent know, major league team right, yeah right yeah,
0: right. And you look at him now, and it's like, you know the the lineup is healthy. The lineup is is coming together. Um, whenever bone gets back, then you'll get back to the 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 one through eight that is that is deep and it's healthy. And the fact that Tereas now is a guy that can bring it off the bench, Luke Williams that can bring it off the bench, Brad Miller in a spot start that we did not rip Joe Girardi for, uh no. can can hit three I, homers. He, dude, all
1: right, I got we never lie to the listeners. I'm so mad at myself because as we were tearing Girardi up for that lineup in our longer just teardown of Girardi in general, I almost said at the end of it, you know Brad Miller's gonna hit home run tonight. Because we just said all that, like that's definitely gonna happen. And I didn't say it, and and it wouldn't have been as good if I said multiple homers, obviously. But I'm mad at myself, Jack. I knew it. I yeah.
0: knew it. Yeah. Brad Miller going out and 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 doing that was was hilarious. Also, it it is quite funny that he does that once, and everyone's like, "Well, trade Reese." It's like, come on, <laughs> like relax, relax. He had a good game. Uh, he's a good he's a good bench piece. I mean, Brad Miller could be a folk yeah. hero here if his team goes on a little bit of a run. But like, they, like you're seeing like. <laughs> Are the Phillies deep? I mean, are they, well, you <laughs> are know, they deep? I
1: mean, hey, look, they're a lot we talked about this last time, though. Like that's the thing where it, it, I think we had such a perception of the bench as being this just devastatingly bad thing because of the center field situation to start the season. And because of all these injuries and, and the bench having to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and as we've talked about a million times, like the Phillies real problems are with the roster depth, you know, the ability to just plug guys in, bring them up. Like, you know, we're the Dodgers. It's like, Oh, major leaguer, major leaguer, major, like, you know, every draft class. Oh, these guys just all make the majors. Like Phillies don't have that. So, you know, when you start to go deeper into that, reservoir, so to speak, it makes the bench look horrible. And when you have the starting lineup back and everyone's healthy, it's like, oh, you know what? Brad Miller, Torres, Luke Williams, like, yeah, I can get down with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it just it makes those guys even more valuable. Um, And the fact that, you know, now it's and it's it's funny because Girardi hasn't really you know, been double switching as much, but it makes the double switches make more sense. Like now, late in games, you can put you could put, uh, you know, either Luke Williams or Terayus at third uh, for a little defensive replacement. You can do this kind of things if you want to, you know, substitute out Reese. You could put. Uh, JT at first and and nappy behind the plate, you know, they're there if if McCutcheon you feel like looks a step slow, like they have guys that can actually do it. So, you know, and, and that's how you win in National League Baseball. You know, National League Baseball is, is almost a war of attrition in a way, like you got to have guys that are ready to go, ready to come off the bench that can that can perform and step up. And, um, you know, it's nice that right now your stars are playing like your stars. I mean, they're not all doing it in the same night, but like one, it'll be Harper. One it'll be Hoskins, one it'll be Cutch, one it'll be Gene, but then it's supplemented by the races and it and it's just you know it, it, it's something. And again, we we said this last podcast. But if you're going to believe in the Phillies and believe in them in in one way, it has to be because of what the offense is doing. You're not buying into the Phillies because their pitching staff goes on a two week stretch where you know they're they're dominating teams or their bullpen has two weeks, although they haven't blown a save in ten games. Um, Yay! so 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 pop hey,
1: we got hector pitching like the fifth inning of game listen like,
0: anytime you can bring cl- anytime you can bring a closer into a fifth inning game that's not a bad <laughs> that's not a bad situation but like if you're gonna buy, buy into any part of this team it, it comes down to the offense like the the offense is the thing that they are built on and they were built to out hit their mistakes they have a good one through three that on most nights should get the job done Four five is is just it's just a weird spot right now. Like Velasquez is very hit or miss. Been more missed recently. The Phillies are six and one in Matt Moore starts, which is ridiculous. But That's he's absurd. he's not pitching like too bad. Um, he's keeping them yeah, in games. He's like
1: four innings, two runs. It's like a an, a, a high end opener, Jack.
0: Yeah, just like Jacob Degrom. He's also a high end opener.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, how but... do
1: you say these things? Like how do these things just pop out of your mouth?
0: <sighs> Listen. He's a fine pitcher. He he's, yeah. he's got some good stuff. I think he's he's, okay. I think he's got a shot. But the truth of the matter is I think he's averaging like five and two thirds a start. And it's yeah. like listen. Tell him. If you really if you really want to be if you really want to be like I hate the comparisons between him and what Bob Gibson did in nineteen sixty eight. Like Bob Gibson threw I think seventeen complete games that well,
1: year. Well the the most amazing Bob Gibson said of that whole thing is I think it was in June and July he had twelve starts. 12 complete games yeah it's like okay (laughs) i mean like that's that's a different thing that's happening
0: right and and jacob the grom's having a a nice little season um but i
1: loved it i didn't see this coming like of all the 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 things i could have seen coming this was not one that i saw i'm um Respect.
0: He's a really he's a really good opener. So I um, an opener,
1: like yeah. I mean, probably the best opener. Yeah, he's, he's ever. He he I mean,
0: and then he turns I mean, it over, the, and that's why their their record is so poor in in the games that he starts because he can only go five sense. and two thirds innings. Yeah,
1: I mean he's no Taiwan
0: Walker, right? I no, mean, no, no, no. And 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 yeah. and the, the the fact of the matter is, is that if Zach Wheeler was on that staff, that he would be the ace of them. He has more, he pitches more innings, and he strikes out more guys. Who's who's been more valuable this year, Zach Wheeler or Jacob DeGrom? Uh-huh.
1: uh-huh this has gone way longer than i expected and okay. yep I, I just the commitment is yep. is super impressive
0: yeah i think i it's impressive i gotta be honest it's, <laughs> it's a pat on the back moment like there's probably people out there listening right now it's like is he is he serious oh, but God. can you tell if i'm serious or not never that's Jack, the point that's the point, special, that's that's the that point. special yep yep so
1: how did we even get here what, what, what how are we talking about jacob the grom right now
0: i don't know i don't know i don't know
1: somehow we got from matt moore to jacob DeGrom. oh we talked
0: about how matt yeah. moore oh this is how oh, we got there. there we talked is. about there how matt moore and jacob the grom are the two best openers in baseball right now <laughs>
1: Jeez. how do i pivot from this like where do i go
0: from here fills are hot. Like, look, say the fills are hot i look
1: i look at my notes and i'm like what what do i do here like where do i go well why don't you fills think on your your hot jack
0: yeah think on your feet
1: yeah, not my specialty. Um, just kidding. Uh, all right. Well, how about this? Let's two things. We'll get to the Vinny fan thing in a sec. But but speaking of the Matt Moore Vinny thing, there is a name out there. And and we, you know, we talk a lot about trades and all they got to get closer. Is Dombrowski going to buy or sell or whatever? There's one easy buy in the sense that if he looks good, it literally only costs you money. Where you at on Cole Hamels?
0: I am firmly in the camp of, of, of bring him back. Um, like there's, there's really no downside to it. Obviously we'll see how he throws and, and all of that stuff, but like, like the Phillies need help. And even if Matt Moore continues pitching well and, and all of that stuff and Vince Velasquez is, is, you know, doing many things where it's good, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, 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 bad pretty good starts. Um, like it, bringing Cole Hamels is like not the worst thing in the world. And I'm not, like, I hate... I'm not, like, the nostalgia, you know, bring the no, guy... No, like we've the, heard
1: you rip Cole Hamels mercilessly. It's not... This. Your Cole Hamels shots are the most unwarranted thing that's probably ever happened in the history of this podcast, so we know.
0: <sighs> he cost them the '09 9 World Series. But, <laughs> But, either way... Like I still love Cole Hamels. I that he is. It is not meant to to be negative. I just feel like he doesn't get pointed out enough that they should have been back-to-back World Series champs. Um, but bringing him back just makes too much sense. And it's it's a first off, it's a good PR move. You know, let the guy finish his career here. He's an all-time great, and you know, and 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 that kind of stuff. But it just makes too much sense. And you know, there's a lot of people that say he's done and all that stuff, but. I mean, a year ago, obviously last year in Atlanta just couldn't get healthy and all that stuff, but he's had time off now. Like, for the Cubs, he had a, a three a 3.80 ERA in 27 starts. He took down 141 innings. Like, I'll take that. I mean, obviously we'd take that. And and I think the the key point in why I would bring Hamels in is I saw, even when he didn't pitch last year, what he did for that brave staff and, and the way that those guys were able to lean on Cole Hamels and kind of Let him be that veteran mentor to them. And Max Fried had an unbelievable year, and he's taken a huge step back this year. You bring in Cole Hamels here, and he can kind of be what Jamie Moyer was for him in 2006. And it just helps make Aaron Ola better. It helps make... Zach Eflin better. Wheeler's pretty established, so I don't think he's going to help him, but I just think that you have a guy in Cole Hamels who has done it before, who's, who's won on big stages, and I think he's a good guy that these young players can lean on that's not Jake Arietta Like, Jake Arietta was our veteran leader a couple of years ago, and you, you substitute that for, for Cole Hamels, so I just think it makes too much sense, and I, I, I firmly, like, there's no reason why, if Cole Hamels is healthy and looks pretty good, that he should not be a Philly. Like, the, they need him, they're in the, they're three and a half games back. It's go time. And this could be what basically Pedro did in know nine.
1: Yeah. It's a, like you said, it's literally a no brainer. Obviously it's all dependent upon seeing him pitch and he's healthy and he looks good, but it's just money. It's just money. It's just money. That's it. That's it. John, Mr. Middleton talks big game. Like this is the kind of thing you do. You know, if you really want to go for it here in in that, you know, sense of you're in a horrible division, you have a chance to actually win it this year and actually make the playoffs for the first time in a decade, you bring back the Phillies legend. You bring back the World Series MVP. And you, because it's one of those things, like you point out, Jack, it's just like a no lose thing. It, even if Cole Hamels came back and stunk, everyone would be happy Hamels was here because he's Cole Hamels and he's ending his career in Philly's pinstripes. Like, it's just such a no-brainer. And I don't think he's going to stink if he looks okay. Like, he's not going to stink more than Vince Velasquez, I'll tell you that much. He's not going to stink more than the best opener on the on the planet, Matt Moore. You know, I... I I think this is such an easy move and it's just it's going to be a real window into, I think, also what they might do at the trade deadline in terms of adding from a cash perspective. Because if John Middleton's not willing to pony up for Cole Hamels, which, you know, for half a season prorated, like, what are we talking about, a few million bucks? Like, you know, I think that's a real concern for, for the trade deadline coming up
0: well but also they could just believe that he's done and and they that's don't.
1: true too again it, it, the the caveat at the beginning is it's all dependent upon that like the the showcase and how he looks and all that
0: stuff let's, but but
1: if there are multiple teams bidding for him cuz he looks good like you're his team like you have to be able to make this happen
0: and let's put it this way if he goes elsewhere and helps his team to a pennant run then oh my god yeah. can you
1: imagine can you imagine We'll never forget about it. We'll bring it up all the time. No.
0: As we should. And and listen, even if you sign if you even if you sign Cole Hamills, then you still have a chance to, to add more to the deadline. It's not like Cole Hamels can be your big acquisition, but he's a guy that will help. You know, he's a guy that if you need to go to a six man rotation or spread guys out, like he's a guy that can fill in. And it's just it's just it's such a no brainer. It's such a no brainer. And I hope they're there on Friday. I hope he looks good and I hope he's a Philly. You know, I I think there's been some hesitancy that to, to, to bring you know, guys from that team back because they, they kind of want to move on to a new chapter. You know, Reese has talked about that a lot. Like, we, we respect what those guys did, but we want to create our own legacy. But at some point, like, this is this is too important. And this is this is a guy that's not going to walk in that clubhouse and think that he's 08 Cole Hamels. Like, he's going to be a Cole Hamels that is that is, you know, hopefully has some in the tank. And that is a guy that has willfully helped out young pitchers on a brave staff, not a Philly staff, um, get better and have the best season of their career. So I really hope they do it. I think they need to do it. And, you know, as long as he is healthy and, and throwing well, I hope I hope they bring him back.
1: All right, a couple more things before we get to the Jack Fritz draft day extravaganza. I want the whole thing. I want you the sure? it start more, start to finish.
0: More than want five the, minutes. what's going yeah. through your head.
1: I want all of it. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you can bring it. I don't have anywhere to go. All okay. right. Uh, so we'll get to that. Couple things quickly. I mentioned it before the Vinny fan thing. I, I feel like we pretty much are aligned in this. Like, stop saying dumb crap to players. You know, no, no need. I right. have no problem with how Vinny
0: reacted. Do you have any issues with that? Ah, uh, no, no. I mean, uh, it's just like it's just such a uh, like a, a jackass thing to y'all. Like, dude, like. <laughs> Vinny knows he's not pitching well, you know. <laughs> I know. It's like, like you don't
1: gotta tell He just gave up eight runs, all right, and two and a third. You don't gotta tell him.
0: I know, I know. And it's just I hope he's I hope as a Boston fan, like I hope it wasn't a Philly fan. You know, it was up in Boston, but uh, uh, I know, I know. It's it's let's hard. say
1: this. It definitely wasn't a high hopes listener.
0: That no, is okay. No, no. High no. hopes listeners uh, are very classy, but yeah.
1: Would never, Jack. It would is, never.
0: It is funny now that Vince is like the most popular athlete in Philly. Like, like the most popular he's been as a Philly. I would say, yeah,
1: yeah, that and the the throw from left field, yeah, uh, and the lefty throw to first. That was a fun play too. Um, all right, a uh, couple other things. Let's just quickly talk about it because I mean, you know, yeah, it, the, <laughs> the, Aaron Nola didn't pitch in Fenway because of this freaking COVID thing. Like the, like all right. I, you can't tell anyone to do what to do with their body or whatever, but like you're a professional baseball player. Like there is an option for you to not have to go through this. It hurts your team. Like, I don't know. Like it, I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to say, Oh, you have to get vaccinated, but I am going to say that as a fan, I'm disappointed that Aaron Nola couldn't pitch in that game because he's not vaccinated and like, whatever it is, what it is. But you know, I don't know the, I, the whole situation sucked and it makes you concerned. Like what, what happens if that happens in September? What happens if that happens? You know, in October, if they make it, I don't know. It's not great, Jack.
0: Yeah, well, I just the the reasoning behind it was just insane.
1: Oh my god! And the whole article, the Matt article, which is a great article, but the whole like, you know, I think the vaccine caused my injury. Brandon Kinsler, just stop. (laughs) Just stop talking. Just don't talk anymore. Yeah. Ever, I don't ever need to hear another Brandon (laughs) Kinsler quote unless it's thanks for the time, Philly. I'll see another decade. I think Another I think
0: lens. I think Kinsler shaping up for a Danny Green like quote on his way out. Oh buddy,
1: I could see it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Guy who was terrible here telling us how to be fans. Um yeah, it was it was frustrating and it's just like, Come on guys, like, come on. Let's grow up a little bit.
1: Uh and LA, they won though. They won and yeah, Ranger, but it's like,
0: like it's not like that's gonna happen often. No, it's being able to no. this this bullpen being able to bullpen their way through a game. going well, real I don't think quick, it's gonna work. real
1: quick on the Ranger part, and really uh, yeah. any of the other guys like Sanchez, if you want to comment on that. But the Ranger thing, like he was nails, and I know he walked a couple guys in that inning, and people were scared, but he was really not going after them. He was going for Verdugo, and he got him. But like man, just throwing his changeup in basically any count, uh, he's just it, I, I don't know how it's working as well as it is for as long as it is, but it is. And can it keep up?
0: Well, I I mean, it's pretty obvious why it's working. I mean, it's, it's the same exact arm speed as his fastball. His fastball has been up to 95 and he has that little hitch that creates some deception and, and it comes out um, looking like a fastball. It's, 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 it's remarkable. Um, you know, I think it, it's funny, actually, he didn't even throw his slider much yesterday. And I actually think his slider is his out pitch if you if you want to throw that more. It's probably more of a pitch to lefties than, than righties, but I thought he could have mixed it in a couple of bats. Honestly, like the most the most impressive thing from from what Ranger did yesterday is like, James, I mean you and I have seen pitchers and in, in, especially Phillies pitchers in big moments where it's like oh the crowd's like on their feet and they're just going crazy and oh here comes a back-breaking hit right I mean we've seen that seen that a thousand times it always happens in Atlanta it feels like but you know two straight batters he goes three two crowds on their feet you know getting everything fired up trying totally. to try will the Red Sox do a win and he drops back-to-back three-two change like that takes some freaking stones. So the thing about and he's Rick- had
1: that all year for what it's worth. Yeah, I feel like I, you know, anecdotally, can think of like five times when he's come in like bases loaded, one out, or two on, no outs, and all that. Like he always comes into these situations where it's high, high, high leverage and. He's just seemed to never be like he really is. You know, it's a cliche, but he feels like one of those ice in his veins guys.
0: He is. I mean, that's that's what he is. Does he have overwhelming stuff? No, he doesn't have overwhelming stuff. Although, I mean, ninety five is good. Change ups plays well off of it, um, and I think the slider is really good to lefties. But you know, the the thing that I have always trusted with Ranger this year uh, is just that he'll come into any spot. And it doesn't phase him. You know, he's very calm, and he is—he is not afraid of anyone. He will attack anyone, and um, not afraid of big moments. And that's what you need from a closer. You need a closer that is flatlined in a way that is just—you know—nothing. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. You know, Hector is a very emotional pitcher. Um, you know, it seems like you can kind of see in Hector when he's, you know, not so sure of his stuff. But with Ranger, you have no idea. Like he would probably be the best poker player in the history of, of the world. I mean, all he does there is just it's just the same face uh over and over again. It doesn't matter what the what the scenario is. So, you know, I, do I think he's a long term closer? I don't, but I think at least they have a guy that they can trust in, in big spots for years to come.
1: All right. Last thing before we get to the the Jack Fritz oh. draft day extravaganza, and I have other stuff to get to after and stuff. But um, how much you mine in on the the second half schedule? Because when you look at it, it is significantly easier. I mean, you look at September alone. You got you know four against the Rockies. You got a seven game stretch against the Orioles and the Pirates. There's a bunch of Marlins games scattered over the second half. Um, you know, on the face of it, just just scanning through it, it does look like a easier schedule. Uh, Atlanta without Acuna, you know, so you got some Nats games in there, all that stuff. Um, you know, the numbers by opponent record, it's it's the easiest. You know, they had the hardest by opponent record in the first half of any above five hundred team. Like, there's all these things. Like, how much are you buying into that as a a real? Re- I mean, like, ball, baseball reference has the Phillies as the favorite. To win the division, Jack and Fangraphs has the Mets as like a seventy-five percent favorite. So, which just goes to show that you know it's really hard to project this far out. Who's actually going to win a division? But like the schedule seems to be a real reason for optimism for a lot of people. Are you one of them?
0: Yes and no. Um, Yes, because the the teams they're playing are terrible. I mean, like there's a rocky, there's a couple rocky series. There's a pirate series. There's like. Their series against legitimately bad teams. My only fear is that it feels like they always play down to the competition. And we haven't, we haven't, outside the Cubs series, which they won three of four and that, like we never really see them just take care of the competition. So um, I do think it's great. But man, if they miss the playoffs with this, with this schedule that they have and losing games to the Pirates, to, 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 the Rockies and these teams would just the make diamondbacks it, oh, oh would just God. be awful. The
1: diamondbacks have a run differential of minus like one forty seven or something. It's insane. Oh, they are a
0: terrible day. I think they we lost like... seven
1: games. We Phillies have seven games against the diamondbacks, four of which on the road. And the diamondbacks are like the worst road team ever.
0: Yeah. Basically. Listen, I, and, and I, I, they stink, but I, I mean,
1: the schedule is so easy, Jack, when you look at it, especially compared to the first half, like, it is like no, just even on the face of it, just scrolling through, looking at it quickly. It is noticeably easier than
0: the. First well, I mean, remember, like, remember, heading into June, we were like, "How are they going to survive June?" And then they went twelve and twelve, and it was like, "All right, yeah. we survived June." Um. So yeah. So obviously, I'm fired up that they're playing those teams. It's just that they have r- routinely let me down those spots. So um, yeah, you know, let's take yeah. Th-
1: until they beat the Marlins, we're, we're not going to believe they're. Gonna
0: but I will say, like things. going going on the road against the Cubs. It was the most business-like they had looked. It was the most, like, um, you know, they were able to create their own energy in the dugout. And I think that's important when you're projecting this team going against uh, bad teams on the road. So, um, listen, it's it's definitely positive. It's definitely all good stuff. It's just until they beat up on bad teams, I can't fully say, like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to beat 10 games over 500 in the second half. Like, I just can't get there.
1: All right, take me through it. I want... The whole, and we'll get to the second round picks and beyond, you know. But just in terms of of setting the scene, Sunday, you, know, you wake up. Jack Fritz knows it's draft day. You mm. Gotta wait till seven. get the nerves, the this, the that. Take us through the day.
0: <sighs> well, it was a big one. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I I woke up. Um, you know, just try like. I do the same thing on Eagles game days is I just try to find like stuff to do so I don't have to, you know, think about it too much. Like, you know, Jill and I went plant shopping, you know, trying to find more plants for our, for our garden. Um, you know, I put some mulch down, um, like, all right. So I'd say we woke up, um, had some coffee. Obviously we went and walked to a, a local bakery, um, grabbed some donuts, of course. And then, um, walked back and then like, just started to again. Just started to find things to do. Um, we 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 went to a local plant shop, got some plants, whatever. And like, I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just texting and DMing like everyone I know in draft circles, just seeing if they've heard if Benny's going to be there at at thirteen. Um, so there's a lot of that, a lot of checking the phones. I was on Twitter a lot, just. You know, I was sorry. I was on prospects live just because they had a live blog going of all their latest rumors and stuff like that. One um, of like
1: four or five people in there. Or... Yeah,
0: no, it's like I was just, I was just all in. I needed to figure out how this thing was gonna play out. Um, watched the Phils game, which was obviously great. Um, was you know very tense uh, at the end. Um, and then like around like five, five thirty, it was getting to the point where I was just too nervous. Like I was just. I was just finding stuff to do. Like I went up and I did laundry and I cleaned our bedroom and I cleaned the kitchen because I was just trying to take my mind off of, off of seven o'clock. Um, so yeah. So I did all that stuff, you know, I was uh, you know trying to trying to figure out how to, how to grow up, which is great. Um, but yeah, literally just finding anything I could do to take my mind off of the draft. Um, so the draft rolls around right around seven o'clock um, sit down, you know, and, I mean, Henry Davis going number one was shocking. But what I noticed early was how fast the picks were getting out before they were announced on TV. And I was like, oh, this is a disaster. Um, <laughs> I hate that. I hate it so much. And I, I hate that.
1: it too. It's like, why even have this on television if everyone's just going to let the picks out before? Like, I think it's the... like Either watch it or be on Twitter, but there's no point in doing both.
0: Exactly, exactly. So then... Um, you know, I'm sitting there nervously, but everything seems like it's kind of playing out. Well, it seems like Kumar rocker, Brady house, um, and Khalil Watson are falling. And it's like, Oh good. You know, those guys can keep falling and Benny should fall to us at 13. Um, and then the Rockies took him, And I was like, ah, that stinks. I was, I was, I was pretty upset. I was like, it hurts. I get it. I kind of had this lingering feeling that he was going to go at number eight or nine to the Rockies or angels. And it happened. And, it sucks, but at least the Rockies have a long track record of developing hitters, so maybe I'll end up being right about Benny. Um, and then it was scramble time. Like when, when Benny was drafted eighth, it was scramble time. Because of that. then, you know, I don't really like Brady House that much. Um, but I had to start looking up, like, all right, how do I talk myself into him? And I, I talked myself into him. But then he went but then he went but then he went number eleven. It's like, okay, okay. Um Ah uh, Kumar Rocker, I was like, man, am I gonna? Are we about to to mess around and get Kumar Rocker at thirteen? Ah, uh, that didn't happen. He went to the Mets. Like that's bull,
1: you know. Boo that! Yeah. Just
0: a big fat boo to that. Yes. And then so I'm like scrambling. Like, oh, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? And then so around pick uh, eleven after the house pick, I turned my computer off and I put my phone on uh, night mode. So I didn't get anything. <laughs> so I, I I didn't get anything. I was I was fully locked in. I wanted to hear it live. I uh, yeah. Even though I really wanted to check, I knew I would get texts and DMs and all that stuff of like, oh my god, whatever. So I turned it all off, and I'm just pacing around my living room. Um, I kept the doors closed because I didn't want I didn't want to see Jill see me pacing around like a madman. Um, and I saw the pick, and oh, first off, I saw the Mariners pass on Khalil Watson, and I was like, if I know Brian Barber, like I know Brian Barber, he's gonna <laughs> bring me Khalil Watson. He didn't bring me Khalil Watson. He brought me Andrew Painter, which we talked last time about how this is a guy I was gonna have to talk myself into. But there's a chance. They're gonna yeah, take he him. was
1: on your your don't want
0: list. Yes, he was on my well, don't want list, there, and right, then I was yes. gonna have to talk myself into him. And yeah. and I have to an extent. Like I'm not gonna go overboard, and because he's not as good as Abel, like Abel is, is special. Um, Abel's a
1: star, my friend.
0: He is. He is. They nailed it. Um. So all right, here's my here's my feelings on Andrew Painter. I'm not gonna go overboard. <laughs> I'll try not to go overboard. Um. <laughs> fully talking myself, because I do want to give an honest assessment of of him. And I'm not like listen. I'm all in on these draft picks. Like I'm sorry if that is isn't your your style, but I love draft picks. Like I love thinking of their upside. So very sorry. But um here's the here's the facts. He can command four pitches. Um he's been up to 99 from what I've heard. And, um, it's a, so the the problem with his fastball is it doesn't have great spin efficiency. Like he throws it hard, but like we talked about last time, like everyone throws hard now and the fastballs that stick out are the fastballs that have good spin efficiency and all that. And I think eventually he's going to be a sinker, sinker baller. Like he just has that kind of look to him, you know, six, seven gets on top of the ball. I think it comes out like in a sinkerish kind of way. Um, but the fact that he's the fact that he's, he's 18, and he can command those pitches the way he can, and like you see it. I mean, you could all of his stuff needs a little bit of uptick and stuff, which I believe the the Phillies PD guys can get out of him. But you you the fact that he has a feel for four pitches, and I think his changeup's actually going to be disgusting as it keeps going on here. But the fact that he has a feel for that, he's a feel for pitching, is is really encouraging for a guy his age and his size and and all that stuff. So from that standpoint, it's it's good. Um, and you should be able to project that he should be able to get more out of his stuff, get more spin rate, get all of that stuff. Um, the one thing that he's gonna have to uh, work on and and fix is is his just his explosiveness. Like his extension isn't that great. Um, and that's probably why his fastball, like, I watched all of his starts I could find um, last night in the, all the perfect game showcases and stuff. And, like, I felt like his fastball got squared up more than it should for being 97. But I do think that that comes with his extension not being very long. So I think that if he fixes his extension, fixes his explosiveness, like he should just watch tape of Roy Halladay because they, they have a similar um, body and the, they, the way the ball comes out is very similar. But, but Doc was explosive. And I think that that's what Painter has to work on. So I see why they did it. Um, I would have taken Khalil Watson because I think he's. I think he, you're you're getting a superstar caliber player at 13. Um, but I see why they took Andrew Painter, and I'm glad that they that they're betting on upside. Like you're telling me, he goes to Florida for a couple of years, and he's not a top 10 pick. I think that would be disappointing. So they're kind of taking the shot on that now. Um, the fact that he's been in big tournaments for the last three years, there's a long track record of him being good at these tournaments, much like McAble was. So um, I think his upside is like a number three, if I have to be honest. But, um, you know, having a guy that throws 98 with more in the tank for sure and a good feel for four pitches at six seven is a good thing.
1: Yeah, you're definitely talking yourself there. But I think people who know you can hear. You're not... You're not gaga over this. And here's the thing. Here's my biggest take. And, I'm, and we'll get to the Ethan Wilson, who, if you want to get excited, yeah, in on Ethan Wilson. Yeah. We'll get to Ethan Wilson the rest of the class. But, you say the rest uh, of class? The class, draft class.
0: Oh, I thought you meant like uh, classes in session.
1: No, no. <laughs> I like that. Classes in session. Yeah. Here's my problem. The MLB draft is so stupid, Jack. (laughs) I'm so sorry, buddy. This whole like slot under slot, this team has more money, they can go over slot and still like it's so dumb. It's not fan friendly. It's not entertaining. And like just the general concept that the best players don't go for the most part, obviously, it's all subjective, but in the order they should go in, and then in some cases, definitively worse players go before definitively better players because of signability issues is a disaster. Like, it's a horrible, horrible product. And that's not even getting into the the stupidity of not being able to trade graphics, which is absurd on top of it. Jack, I'm sorry. I know you love this thing. It is nonsense the way this
0: works. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like it's just like trying to tr- like trying to explain it to like an alien coming down and and explaining the MLB draft to them would be impossible. Like, impossible. like you're telling me that you know, like Frank Mozaccato goes like number seven overall over Kumar Rocker. Like, why? I mean, like it's it's just it's it's just funny. It's it's just a it's a funny process, and you know sometimes players slip, and everyone's like everyone who watches normal drafts is like. Well, that makes no sense and all the MLB draft fans are like yeah I know it doesn't make any sense um and like and like the Marlins having more uh more money to spend on draft picks this year than like the Phillies is is just weird it's just you know it is what it is it is what it is um so and it, I like even I can't really explain all of it like I I, I follow it really closely and even I, I'm just like I, I I can't explain that one to you I'm sorry I'm very sorry um so I just
1: appreciate you not like going to the bag for it and trying to come up with some ridiculous defense for it. Oh, I appreciate no, that. no, no,
0: no. I, I would... They, I, they need to let these guys trade draft picks. Oh, it's crazy. I Ooh. know it's tough because there's 20 rounds and it would just be hard to... It'd be hard to like manage and all that, but but
1: still, like you're a multi-billion-dollar organization. Like I'm sure you could figure something out. Well,
0: and it would just be so much fun. Like, yeah, (laughs) it would make
1: it more interesting. Like, don't Uh, you want people interested? Like, there's a reason that the NBA and NFL drafts. And granted, we watch those guys play in college. That's a big part of it too. But like, these they're they're events. They're way more fun. They're way more entertaining. Like, you know, I don't know. I got you. Anyway. Anyway, I'm done assaulting the draft. Give me your take on the rest of the uh, the class. Ethan Wilson, you know, it seems like you and me after watching his highlights and reading about him are not the only ones. This seems like a absolute home run of a pick. Third rounder though seems like a super projection, reach kind of guy, you know, 17 or whatever. Where do you come down, Ethan Wilson, The uh, and and the pigs after?
0: All right. So, Ethan Wilson, I think, is Max Muncy. I think he is yes, a— Yes! You've been he,
1: saying, where's my Max Muncy?
0: Right. He's in the second round. For years. Yeah, he's in the second round. So, I just think that the hit tool is really strong. You know, he, he, is, a, he is a guy that does not whiff, does not whiff. And um walks and whatnot. Like he's just a, he looks like a very, very valuable offensive player. Like he uh, doesn't whiff and hits the ball hard. Like <laughs> that's pretty much what you're looking for. Um, so elite bat to ball skills. Probably just a corner outfielder, which is probably why he went in the second round. Um, was also a little bit banged up this year. That's that's another reason why. Because I remember when uh first started getting into the process, like there was a lot of Ethan Wilson to the fills at thirteen. Um, and then I think he came out slow this year, but he ended up batting like 318 with a 410 OBP. So, um, he did heat up there a little bit, but either way, like you watch him swing and and he had a 10 pitch at bat against Florida state. And it's like, Oh, this guy's a high, high level hitter. And you can make the case. He's already the best offensive prospect in the system, which is crazy. Um, but
1: wow, that's a big time. Wow. on Both ends.
0: Yeah. But he's, he's, I think he's going to be a, a really, really productive player. Um, and I think he, I, you know, I, 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 trust the hit tool, big time power, big time exit V Um, but also seems like he has a knack for getting the, the, the bat to the ball. So I think it was a, a massive, massive steal for the Phillies in the second round. And I, and I'm just downright giddy, you know, and then this is what we've seen under Brian Barber and we you will get to the rest of the draft, but like big tools, big power on both sides, um, and just kind of taking shots on upside, rather than just playing it safe, and you know, kind of getting these guys in the hands of the the Phils player development staff, and that's one other thing. You know, I tweeted last night, like, like Andrew Painter's a perfect guy to give to the Phils player development staff and let him let him work. And you know, and and obviously, high hopes listeners know like what what is really going on. Like, <laughs> we're seeing we're seeing them actually get a lot out of pitching talent and and getting these guys to levels that we had not seen before. Rangers Suarez, Bailey Falter, like that's just like, a couple guys. But you're seeing you're seeing guys actually getting developed that didn't have the stuff that these guys have now. I mean, Mick Abel's a top twenty-five prospect in the sport already. Like, like you're seeing these guys get handed to the to the Phils player development staff and letting those guys go to work. And and, and a guy like Andrew Painter, who is obviously raw but has command of four pitches, and all you need to do is teach him more explosiveness. Like, I will bet on the Phillies' player development is figuring that out. So, you know, I know that the Phillies have been dogged for years and years and years about their player development and how uh, they can't dra- develop guys for the draft. Like, these guys have been here for, I think, what, like a year and a half, two years on the pitching side? And you're seeing, you're seeing dividends. So, um, you know, Ethan Wilson seems like another one of those guys where it's like... He's got good bat-to-ball skills, good pop. Let's see what they can get out of him. So, um, super fired up about him. I think it's a really good pick, and I, I can't wait for him to to get up to the big leagues.
1: Yeah, I'm in. He's my new Casey Martin. Yeah, they're my two favorites.
0: Nice. I'm in on both those guys. Yeah, I think he's um, already. I think he's top ten prospect in the yeah. system already. Ooh. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, what yeah. else? All Tell right, me about so uh, so VRs is is interest. I don't totally know how to say it. I think it's, I think it's VRs. So it's interesting. Like, so he's like he, seventeen, right? He's seventeen. And he's yeah. the number one outfield prospect in freaking Texas. But he wasn't in 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 baseball America's top four hundred. Like it just doesn't add up. But here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, he's an Arkansas commit. Arkansas is one of the best college baseball programs in the country. Like they developed guys like Hesson Kerstad and all of that. Um, this guy has stupid raw power. Um, and I just think that they got him at 17, so that they're kinda they're kinda his college program in a way like the Phillies I think are taking and you'll see it throughout the draft like they're taking super young guys because they believe in their development system and they're not letting them get to campus and have someone possibly screw them up so um it's really interesting um but either way this guy has has really good power um can drive the ball all over the ballpark 17 years old Again, number one outfielder in Texas, but wasn't in the top 400. That's not, That's just, It just, it's just something doesn't add up, but apparently he had a lot of helium, Um, was a late riser. So um, he screams like a guy in two and a half years that is in first round consideration and they got him in the third. So um, it's, it's, I think it's a risky, it's not, it's a risky bet, obviously, but I think it's a, it's a worthwhile bet.
1: I love that. Like, I'm, I'm all right with taking shots, uh, you know, lottery tickets, could- baby. You're, yeah. And baseball projections so hard to begin with. I right. mean, you're taking these kids at 17, 18 years old and trying to project how their body's going to grow, how they're going to develop, all these types of things. There's so many variables in it that are, in a lot of cases, impossible to predict. And, and in other cases, hard to predict that I, I have no problem if you believe. And like we've talked about one of the few things in this Phillies organization that we feel really strongly about is their ability to develop guys right now because of O Chart, because of the driveline guys, because of the whole team and all that, that, you know, it makes sense for the organization to bet on that. So I'm I'm good with it. What else you got?
0: Uh uh Micah Odenbright is, so I I found some video of him. He's another guy like Painter, although he's up to ninety four already. But I mean he's he's a guy that needs to, you know, uses his legs a little bit more and uses his body more. So um, seems like a classic projection guy. I uh, don't know much about him, but again, he's 17 years old, and they're kind of betting on their player development staff and letting him develop under their guys rather than letting him get to campus and maybe not trusting those guys as much. So uh, don't have as much on him, but just in looking at his stuff, he's been up to 94, but he's a little bit stiff with his mechanics. So uh, you hope you can get more out of him. This is up there... This might be my second favorite, like Andrew Painter. Notwithstanding, like I get it, just just a guy of my kind of guys, and that is Griff McGarry. I love Griff McGarry. He walks a ton of guys, but he was starting to figure it out towards the end of his of his senior year, like ninety nine with an absolute wipeout slider. His fastball is disgusting. It is it's ninety nine with high high spin slider. Same thing. I don't know what he is long-term, but when I watch him, it screams Roy Oswald. Um, Same fastball, jumps out of his hand the same kind of way. Like Towards the end of the season, had two monster back-to-back games in big college games and was fired up. I love Griff McGarry. Uh, I don't know if he's a starter or a reliever, but if you're telling me you get get 99 with his elite-level spin, um, it's just (sighs) home run Home run pick.
1: Yeah, his name's Griff McGarry. I mean, I didn't need Superstar. any of the other stuff. Superstar I mean, Griff, Griff McGarry.
0: I mean, that's just a. He's gonna it's be a a winning game, Jack. He's gonna be it's a, a Winning name. They got a. a they, they got a lot of good names. Uh, Jose oh, the
1: Pena kid. Yeah, Jose I like Pena Junior. I saw on Twitter about him. I liked.
0: Him. Very very good. Very good. Um, up to ninety nine again. High spin. Just turned eighteen. Um, but either way, like like he is high spin numbers can get up to ninety nine. He reminds me a lot of, like, Starlin Castillo. Same kind of uh, mechanics and whatnot. But, yeah, just another big projectable arm that is young that um, just seems like he's wowing some guys uh, down there. So that's good to see. Uh, Christian McGowan is the number one rated Juco arm in the draft. They got him in the seventh. Uh, up to 99, <laughs> again, uh, up to 99. Uh, his changeup is nasty. I think if, if those two pitches develop like they should, um, they, they, they got... Again, probably a bullpen piece, but another guy that throws hard. Same thing with Jason Ruffcorn, a guy who should move through the system very fast. But 99 again, 99, which is which is just uh, tremendous to see. So um, again, like the fact that they're taking guys with stuff over command, just it it makes me giddy. Like they who thought we'd see the day, Jack. Like they have they have so many power arms, and like they're already like Ruffcorn 99, McGowan 99, Payne 99. Griff McGarry, 99. Um, Painter, 99. Painter, 99. If, I think he'll eventually get there, but yes. Like, it's just it's it's just, it's just power, power, power. And, um, yeah, just the right kind of guys to give to the PD guys. Don't know much about Gavin Tonkel. Uh, seems like an underslot guy that they're just going to take a shot on. Um, Speedy and all of that. And then there's Logan Cerny, who I didn't know about. Like, I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, the first— I knew Griff McGarry was the last guy I was like ah, oh, and, and there's a couple other guys but um, this is this is just strictly through Twitter and, and following smart people. Um, a lot of people thought he would go in like the third or fourth round and, and like he's got so he is he is like stupid power um, explosive hips like an explosive athlete that can play um, that can play center field. Uh, the one question. Did you say
1: stupid hips.
0: Stupid hips, like how quick and explosive okay. his hips are. I sh- I
1: trying sh- to sh- make sure I got the yeah lingo.
0: yeah like just just all the athleticism in the world, all the like the the stuff that you want to give to drive line and let them figure out. That's what he is. Uh, the big question is the hit tool. But I will take it. Ah, t- yeah, no
1: biggie, right? The hit tool. Uh
0: whatever. We'll figure it
1: out. Is that an imp- is that an important tool?
0: In the yeah, tool well, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. But uh, you know, I think he's a perfect guy to give to to the the P D guys and see what see what they can get out of him. Um because the, the, the raw tools are, are special. So um overall, like they they drafted they drafted power on both sides. Uh they drafted exit velos and like it's just it's it's just my kind of draft. Like you're betting on tools. You're betting on upside. You're not afraid to take risks, and you know that's what you want to see from an organization. And honestly, it shows a lot of faith in in the guys they have developing these guys. And I think that's important. Like the fact that Brian Barber, it seems like, is in lockstep with the guys that are they're going to be tasked with developing these players. I just think that show that's a sign of a healthy organization. Um, and just just pairing this. Pairing the arms they got in this draft with the arms that they signed last year, they the uptick in velocity is just insane. So um, I just I can't wait. I I can't wait to see what they do. I can't wait to start following them. Um, and I just like it. Just I'm just I'm just giddy over here. I'm just giddy. I can tell. Buddy. I, can, I, can't I can't wait tell. for I can't wait for Ethan Wilson. Like the yeah. like the first the first when we start hearing Ethan Wilson buzz, I will be genuinely fired up.
1: I love it. Uh, I'm, I am all in on Ethan Wilson. That, that is my favorite guy in the draft class. Um, and obviously I've really studied this as well. So take that. Yes. Take that. All right. I have one more thing draft wise to bring up before we, um, get to a couple last things before we get out of here. Um, so I hate to do this. You know, you're, you're on the high of the draft thing and, you know, I hate to do it, but, um, my buddy, Matt, uh, Friend of the pod. Listen to the pod. Okay. Um, Uh Uh-oh. Listen to the last pod. And in the the section where you're talking about the draft picks, talking about Trey Sweeney, who I have since learned is is a New York Yankee now. So Mm -hmm. congratulations to Trey. Okay. Um, Jack, you said something. I can guarantee Jim Nance wouldn't do it. And I can guarantee that most of us would not do it. In talking about Trey Sweeney, Jack, you said Eastern – Illinois.
0: Oh, I didn't. Go, oh, okay. Oh, buddy. I missed
1: it in the moment, and I would love to say that I caught it. I didn't. Matt, thank you for catching it. The yeah, thanks a lot, work, Matt. Matt sent me the timestamp, like really made it easy for me. But you said it. I went back. For those who want to check, 4220 in the last pod right around there. Illinois, Jack. Explain yourself.
0: Uh, Matt, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. <laughs> Get a life, pal. It's time to grow up (laughs) a little bit. Oh, so what? Have you never heard of the state of Illinois before? I mean, I don't know. In my my defense, I called Arkansas Arkansas until I was at least 14 years old. So it's not that surprising. Whatever. I said, Illinois. I'm from Philly. You're from New York. It is what it is. Why don't you go root for the Yankees? You, you 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 big new yorker all See, right this
1: is you lashing out cuz you know you got you messed up i feel up. like i feel like no i'm lashing out like
0: Ooh. you know what i feel like i feel like i i feel like vinny i feel like vinny and this is me re- <laughs> this is me responding to you so yeah i messed up i said illinois sue me it's illinois okay.
1: good all right well, i should clear it up Thank yeah you. i should clear it up all right uh, one more thing for me and then if you got anything in the tape bag Uh, Last thing for me, thank you so much to everyone who came out for High Hopes Night. It was at Four Fingers Brewing, drinking high hops all night long. It was was awesome. Not only did we get to see the Phillies actually beat the Red Sox in Boston, put up an eight-run inning. It was super fun, getting excited. That was pretty much like the only part of the game I really watched closely that eight-run inning because it was saying hi to a lot of people. But so many people showed up like, Neighbor Dan showing up. I know. Uh, his buddy James. There a Dan and a Dave brothers who were there. It was a guy named Nick who was super nice. Charles, super nice. Like, just met a bunch of awesome people, and uh, you know, it really meant a lot to us. We appreciate it.
0: I signed a ball. You know, finally. we
1: signed a ball. That was for Dave. That was for finally, Dave. We finally Dave made it. Yes, and and tell them what you signed it with. What did you say?
0: Two and own in the high school playoffs.
1: <laughs> yep. And then I didn't know what to say. And he said you should sign it with yo. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. You're yeah. right. I so, first so baseball I've ever signed in my life. So yeah. thank you for that, Dave. Yeah. What an
0: experience. Um hopefully not the last one. You know, I think if the if the Phils are going on a run here and they're still playing good baseball, I'd love to do it again. You know, maybe yes. before the year is over.
1: Hundred percent in. It was a blast. And uh if you have not gotten a chance, go down to Four Fingers Brewing, check out the beer. Uh, High Hopes in cans. People took some High Hopes cans. Oh, Darren from South Philly was there. Um, It was a blast. It was a blast. Um, So um, thank you to everybody who came out. It was really awesome. We'll definitely do it again. All right, Fritzy, take back. If there Uh, is anything. We a
0: lot. Don't have much, but I feel like I can't let this podcast go by without giving an official statement on Nick Pavetta. Oh,
1: uh, that's a bad job by me. I I I forgot to put on my notes because I was like, oh, I won't forget to talk about Pavetta. Turns bad out, job by me. Turns out you You're forgot right. to talk about better. See, look at that. You just spun around. I ripped you for of noise. You you showed up at a job I did. Yeah. Leaving um, this spot. Yes. My bad. So. Huh. Should we just call him Hothead Pavetta? Should he, we call him? He
0: was fired up, <laughs> wasn't he? My like, man is like, not
1: great at pulling it together when well, he Wow.
0: And like not backing up the bass. He just,
1: he felt like, <laughs> dude, that was so classic. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah. He 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 wanted to remind all of us, high Ops listeners and fans, he did just for us that why we know why you had his back to begin with, you were the same person. He was you on the field in Femway.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was watching and I was like, "Yeah, this is why I love them." I get it. Same <laughs> like, guy. Yep. I see this. Yep. We were the same guy. Um, but listen, I think he looked pretty good, you know, until obviously it all blew up. But uh, he's got some stuff. I would take him back. I would take him back. One more, one more, one more chance with Nikki P. Um, but yeah, it was it was funny watching him. It was funny. I was conflicted, and then they scored, and I was like, "All right, good. Let's just let's just blow him out." So I did not want to, you know, see him get you know torched, but um it was good it was a perfect Pavetta start he was nasty and then it blew up in his face it kind of calmed down a little bit um but yeah I he was yeah he is a little too emotional for me
1: a little yeah a little he is like dude man you are never going to be as successful as you want to be if you can't get that under control I mean it's such a mental game out there especially on the mound by yourself you know like it's a mental game he's a he is a hothead dude he just yeah. can't control his emotions
0: yeah yeah he's a fired up canadian guy
1: yeah <laughs> it's like an oxymoron yeah um all right well shout out to nick for letting us win we really yeah, appreciate
0: yeah, it needed it needed it um mm-hmm. are you taking the over or the under of 519 and a half for furthest home runs out? i
1: saw this i was like 519
0: yeah that's insane
1: that's really far man <laughs> it's really far I'll take the under.
0: Wow, I'm, I'm taking over? the over. It's it's humid, winds blowing out.
1: More important question, I guess it's Colorado. I forget that. More important question: Who's going to win?
0: I think Soto. I I, I just think he's going to get on a roll, and it's going to be like, oh my god, Juan Soto. He's the best hitter
1: of the group of yeah. the of the eight. He's the best. I I just think it's Gallo. He's so locked in right now. I think he's homer in like eleven of twelve games coming in, and he's. The most powerful of all of them, which yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but I think he is. It's him or Shohei. Um, I'll go Gallo. That's my prediction. All right. all right, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I'm I'm gonna lock in. I I am in on the home run derby. Of course, uh, many right remember uh, the scene of the crime of my most famous tweet of all time. Oh yeah, so that's fine. Someone about You gonna rip, you that. Gonna rip Pete so Alonso tonight? Yeah, I'm. Del- I'm gonna. I can't wait. I'm going after Pete.
0: That's what you do on Twitter. You just like riling people up.
1: Yep, that's me. Everyone knows yep. I'm a, I'm a troll, as they say, Jack.
0: That you are. That you are.
1: My daughter obsessed with trolls, oh, not sure. online ones, Yeah, actual trolls. She loves Billy Goat Gruff, Jack. You into Billy Goat Gruff?
0: Big fan. Is, is he a draft that's
1: prospect? How- I- <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got?
0: That's it, pal. That's think, it. Yeah, I think we've reached the, the point. I think yeah. that was the point right there. <laughs>
1: That was the way. There's one parent out there listening to this being like, Billy Goat Gruff, man. I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Big fan. Sure. Whatever. I'm I'm, I'm a bigger I, that fan. That person
1: of, is my person. All I'm, right? I'm That's a, how
0: I feel. You can say Billy Goat Gruff or whatever, and I'll raise you Griff McGarry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Griff. Billy Goat Griff McGarry. nickname. Love it. Love it. But we are an Ethan Wilson podcast and a Mick Gable podcast.
0: Yeah. We nailed Mick Get Gable. that out there. Yeah.
1: We knew it from the jump. Yes. All right. Uh... We we done? Yeah. All right. One more time. Thank you to everyone who came out for I Hope's Night. It was super, super awesome. And we can't wait to uh, do it again and meet more people. So until then, he's for it himself. So we'll see you later.